You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Beckham sets up on the outside. It's Darkwell again. Stutter step. Darkwell busting to the outside for the touchdown. Welcome back to season two of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Christmas in July, Grump. Opened up my mailbox, and my giant season tickets were in there. So that's another sign we are inching closer and closer to the next, the regular season. So something to look forward to. Unlike Christmas, you don't have to be good all year to get them the next year. It's clearly <laughs> evidenced by the Giants themselves. Otherwise, we would have had coal in our stocking from last year's performance. But Real. hope springs eternal every year. Just remember, on the Just Rams podcast last year, two idiots were talking about their pathetic Rams, and six months later, they were in the playoffs. So keep hope alive. Well, I mean, we last week we did our off-season recap as the preseason just started opening up with training camp. We are officially a couple of practices in, and I know everybody else is getting just as hyped as I am just watching little clips and videos. It's nice to finally see football again. Yeah. I mean, other than the offseason when everybody looks good and sounds good during conditioning and OTAs, everybody looks good and everybody sounds good for the first three days of fall practice. It's just, you know, once we actually have the bullets go for real in actual preseason games, we can get a little more honest evaluation. The aim of this podcast for the next couple of weeks uh, starting today and going through until the very beginning of September is to kind of, uh, I guess, round out what we hear about the roster and what we think are starters, backups, and cuts for each position group. And then also to sort of, you know, key on a, key in on who looks promising and what we should be concerned about and try and temper the hype that, you know, is only natural uh, as you've been waiting all year for this and finally get to start seeing it. Right. And one other thing we'll be looking at as well, um, what potential additions can be made when cutdowns happen. And if everybody remembers starting last year, they got rid of the cutdown to 75 after the second week of, of preseason. There's just one cutdown. It goes from 95 to 53. The, Sunday before the regular season starts, or maybe it's a Friday because most people play on Thursday that following that final preseason game. So we'll be kind of looking at each position and saying, you know, this might be a spot where we think they may be looking at for, you know, cut down free agents. And, you know, based on the research, we can come up with who potential guys we think might get cut and we might be interested in. So. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's we're going to kind of go position by position as we go through, but we're going to start each podcast with some camp notes. Um, so I guess now is as good a time as any. Uh, so the Giants had about, what, four practices so far? The only thing shared between this team and last year's team might be the stadium and locker room. So <laughs> we have all new coaches, new front office, new roster, new schemes, new everything. Um, from top to bottom, new everything. So... It's going to take a little bit of time. We're going to see some real fucking ugliness. Uh, particularly, I'm going to sense it on the offensive side of the ball. You know, maybe some protection screw-ups. Probably a bunch of missed run routes. Um, and let's be honest. Every preseason game you have seen for the last 73 years has been exactly the same thing for every team. You know, nobody's happy. Watch any coach's highlight press conference after the first game, and everybody from... You know, 
Vince Lombardi and Bill Belichick down to Ben McAdoo is pissed off after the first game. So just don't worry about what you see from the first couple of games. It's going to be ugly. Yeah, and that's sort of the interesting thing about preseason is that it's difficult to watch as an actual game. It's really like watching – it's kind of like watching college film, actually, if you're if you're scouting prospects. You really have to look at individual matchups, technique – you know, things like that. You're really looking at individual guys, not so much the unit until you get to about game three. You really want to be seeing some drives or something out of your offense. Well, I mean, you don't, you never game plan for your opponent in preseason, even in week three. No. So it's, that's, that's a lot to do with it. I mean, you're kind of taking the coaching game plan and play calling pretty much out of the equation. So you're not going to see things that, you know, for building continuity, and you're seeing very base plays, base formations, just to kind of get you know timing down. You you, know, you you really want to see things like, you know, I don't want to see a lot of false starts. I don't want to see procedure penalty. Those are the type of shit you don't want to see. Yeah, I mean, there's that kind of thing. But I mean, I also don't want to be seeing jailbreaks from my first team offense. You know what I mean? Like screw ups. You know. Stuff, stuff where we try to run the ball and it's stuffed immediately, okay, fine. But I don't want to see a bum rush to Eli Manning either. That's a colossal screw-up all across the board. By week three, right. shit like that shouldn't be happening from the first team. Right, and you're generally not going to see exotic defenses either in these exactly. games. Also. It's kind of like an unspoken thing among coaches and, and teams where, you know, we want to see, you know, your base defense. We want to see, you know, your front four, your your front three, like in our case, get after the quarterback. You're not going to see these crazy stunts and, you know, and yes, to answer people's questions, well, we should cut the preseason down to two games. No preseason is not for the viewers entertainment and enjoyment. Preseason is for the players and the coaches to get, you know, ready for the regular season. You know, it sucks that people get hurt in preseason games. It sucks. We have to pay. Well, the Giants do a better job now of not charging full price for tickets, but it sucks. We have to pay for the privilege to watch practices, but it is required. You think the NFL is bad for the first month of the season, and we'll see those articles and we'll see those uh, hot takes of how bad the NFL is, and it's you know September 28th. Think of how worse it will be if there's only two preseason games. Yeah, you, you don't want that. I mean, you might think that you want that because it's not fun to watch, but – you don't want to see the result of the lack of practice that would come yeah. from only two preseason games. Absolutely. So before we hop into our position review, uh, the the biggest news out of four practices is uh, Sam Beal, the supplemental draft pick. Uh, we had hoped to provide depth, maybe be breaking into the starting nickel defense by maybe the middle of the season, hopefully towards the end, uh, is out for the season with a dislocated shoulder of some nature. We're starting this shit already. The the bad luck. <laughs> I mean, it's a real tough break for him. Obviously, he uh, you know filed and was able to get into the supplemental draft, start his pro career early. You know, a position of need for us. We invested in a you know invest now, pay later with our draft pick to to get him. And before you know, one vet even comes to the Meadowlands complex, he's done for the season. It's a real bitch and. Uh, the only thing we can hope for, you know, it, it doesn't sound like it's anything career-threatening, and he should be back ready to go next year, but um, it, it's a tough break. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it best. It's a bitch. There's not much you can do. I mean, this is sort of akin to 
Bugs Bunny sticking his finger into Elmer Fudd's shotgun and it blowing up in Elmer Fudd's <laughs> face. I mean, the net result is basically if we would have drafted him next year. I, I mean, suppose, be, yeah. He's not going to be a rookie. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, it's one of those things where you receive ahead, pay later. It's like uh, Walmart's layaway. Yeah. Uh, you know, it sucks. And this sounds like an injury in preseason is what this sounds like. This isn't like a chronic thing that just got re-aggravated. It sounds like it was something that was kind of like a fluke thing, actually. Yeah, something like he got tangled with a teammate. I don't, it was it a was sort of bizarre set of circumstance where Pat Shermer and, you know, and company were interviewed before practice, after the day after it happened, and it seemed like they were all counting on Sam Beal to be a big part of the team coming forward. And then like an hour and a half later, he was out for the season from an injury from the day before. It was very strange. Yeah. Hmm. I tend not to really listen to coaches comments for things like so early in training camp. Cause a lot of it is again, kind of like off season talk. Like you're going to hype up everything about your team. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate. It's the position that we really could use the depth helped in. Yeah. And, and, and cornerbacks and we're right back to where we were so yeah i think i think we spent about five to ten minutes on just that how great it was of a move it was for the depth oh well and it still may be a great move but it's just not going to help in 2018 yeah well in any case not much news else has come out from camp and to be honest looking around the league that's pretty good because we're, I, I'm seeing left and right. Ramon Foster goes down. Garrett Bowles has a concussion. We've seen two tight ends in in Los Angeles for the Chargers go down with torn ACLs out for the year. I mean, so far the Giants are not doing terrible with the injury bug thing. Yeah, and the other piece of news, I don't know if it's really news or not. Uh, Tamara said that contract negotiations with Odell Beckham Jr. will happen sooner than later. So for everybody who's charting at home, pretty much right exactly the trajectory that we had predicted. Yeah. Let's get him into camp. Let's see, A, that he can handle the drills at full speed. Maybe we'll see him test drive, maybe on a couple of series in a preseason game. If they feel confident he's 100% back, we think this deal will be done before the first snap of the regular season. Yeah, and and from all accounts, he's – well, I mean, we, we already know this. He's shown up for every practice – He's been there, he's participated, he's been energetic and involved in meetings, vocal, and uh, from every practice, he's been uh, involved in team drills, which has been a first since OTAs, right? I mean, he didn't do any team stuff in OTAs. That's correct. They had him doing individual drills, but no team stuff. Essentially, if if we didn't know that the contract was ending at the end of this year, um, you wouldn't know anything of it just by looking at the at, at the camp results. Right. Now, like if you look at the year. If you look across the uh, across the aisle at the Meadowlands, where the Jets had their usual issues, Sam Darno didn't uh, he report right away with a contract holdout and stuff. And it's just, you know, those are the distractions that can, you know, really screw up a team from the very beginning. And you know, Saquon Barkley was signed before training camp started. The Beckham thing is playing out. I think most of the, the players on the team understand the Beckham situation too. I mean, they, under, they understand that this is a business. They understand that he needs to get his because they all could be in that situation themselves at some point. So, Well, I mean, also, I, he's severely outplaying his contract. I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy who might be, you know, we can all quibble and argue, but top five wide receiver in the game getting paid on his rookie contract just right. doesn't seem fair. I mean, he's shown it literally from year one. So, 
That's true. I mean, everybody, you know, anybody who's worth a shit out of, you know, a couple of years out of being drafted will be out playing the rookie contract. And yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's the news so far. We're going to stay on top of stuff like that again for our instant reactions to any news. Always follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. I am. Um, I will have my as soon as I can get to it news while I'm sitting at work. You work sometimes. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I am always on Twitter at the cranky fan where I am not working. So I am free all day to interact with you and talk, you know, obviously New York Giants football or Florida Gator football, anything that comes across. So, uh, you know, a public service announcement that I have nothing to do all day. <laughs> all right. So let's get into it. So we're going to do just quarterbacks and running backs today. So we'll, we'll start with the easiest and that would be quarterbacks. So, what we're kind of trying to do is break down what the roster is by position into groups in, into three groups, right? So you have your starter, your depth people who will make the roster, and then you have your guys who will not make the roster. And this is all sort of what we think, and a lot can change between injuries, training camp, and preseason performances. So um, uh, this one's really easy, right? I mean, we... We don't anticipate Eli Manning being sat for no reason this year. <laughs> we also didn't think that this time last year. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, I mean, it's different. You know, the, the the tenor of the quarterback room is different this year. You don't have a guy like Geno Smith who, you know, we don't. We still at this moment don't know why we actually got him. You know, <laughs> I mean, was was the purpose to be a capable backup that we hope that Eli never had to come out of a game and we had to use him. Was he someone that we got that we were going to showcase at some point for trade value? Was it someone? I don't know. I honestly never understood why they got him. You know, someone that couldn't handle the spotlight of New York and let's have him play in New York where every move. I mean, the Eli story, I think part of it was a bigger story, him getting benched because it was Geno Smith. Yeah. I mean, if, if it would have been, you know, all right, Davis Webb is playing a game. First of all, I don't think Eli Manning comes back. Do you? Do you think if uh, if Davis Webb was starting in that game against uh, who were we playing San Diego or who was that? Uh, Oakland. Oakland. I really think that the Eli Manning era would have been over, and it would have been he would have played out the rest of the year. I think that you know public perception means a lot, and the mayors are very cognizant of what the giant fan base thinks their season ticket holder fan base thinks i think there was such an outcry from the fans and then the media jumped on it where they had to do something and we'll never know what happened you know in the back office with him and with the ownership and um ben mcadoo but going right back to eli i don't think would have happened if it was davis webb i mean Yes and no. I mean, it might have depended on Davis Webb's performance. I mean, if- but I think if it would have been Davis Webb, and let's say Davis Webb didn't even perform as well as Gino did, I think it would have been one of those, the more he played, you can't go back to, to Eli. It's just the way I think yeah, it would have played out. I could see that logic. It's just hard to imagine because the whole situation was so out of the blue. I mean, I, I, blue. Remember, I remember getting that notification while at work. It was just a Wednesday or something, you know? Yeah. Um, well, it was it was out of the blue. It was poorly communicated. It was poorly explained, and it was, you know, just so it just seemed very ungiant like. And it was a, definitely a period last year for the second half of the season where a lot of decisions being made, a lot of things that like Mara said that didn't seem giant like. 
Sure. It almost it was almost kind of like in um uh office space when when the guy was, you know, being uh under the spell of the hypnosis and wasn't <laughs> acting like himself. That's what this team kind of felt like for a while. Honestly, that's what all of last year feels like from my perspective. <laughs> um you know, whatever. I, I don't anticipate that happening this year. However, I do think, based on everything I've seen from the off season, uh, from reports I've read from training camp, is that we will see Davis Webb much more this preseason. Obviously, more than last year, since he barely played any preseason snaps. But we're gonna look at some significant snaps from Davis Webb, and I think people are gonna be impressed with some things with him, uh, particularly his arm strength. We keep hearing the reports from everybody who's been at, at uh, practice that he throws a beautiful ball. He has a gun. Um, you can't teach that, you know, you either have a gun or you don't have a gun. You know, it's hard to teach throwing a beautiful ball. So, you know, if you're going to make a statue, it's nice to start off with a nice piece of marble as opposed to limestone. And, uh, if you could start with that, that's good. Yeah. And, um, I, I, you know, personally, I feel like we, I hope personally that I see more of Eli in the preseason too. I mean, I, I hate the preseason. I don't want to see guys get hurt. And it's really, really difficult for me to say shit like this. But the last couple of years, we've seen very, very low snap times for the set in stone starters. And what we've seen has just been a fucking disorganized mess week one. And I really, the NFL is too brutal. You can't lose a game because you have to of a fucking a holding penalty at the wrong time or a miscommunication on a, a false start yeah. where all of a sudden now you know, you're out of field goal range second and 3 just became second and you know in 7 that's a big deal um football you have to play and you know something anybody can get hurt at any moment it could happen in the locker room it can happen in warmups we've seen it preseason regular season super bowls pro bowls um, who was that running back was with the um, the Patriots who blew out his knee playing beach football during a Super Bowl event? I mean, it happens. Yeah, and so Davis Webb has one of the biggest knocks on him coming out of Cal and before that Texas Tech was he's never really taken a snap under center, but he's worked all last year, all offseason. He's the first one to show up uh, at practice every day, according to reports I've read from Jordan Raynon. Um you know, that's one of the things he's worked on is his footwork and, you know, working under center and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, if Eli Manning was to go down to never get back up again and start, perhaps this is the year that that's okay. Well, the season's over. I mean, regardless. <laughs> so, you know, that's but I mean, maybe it's I'm, what I'm saying is maybe it's just it's that they're in the right position to carry, to pass the torch. Uh, it could be. You know something also, you can look at it another way too, that sometimes a torch passing has to be swift and immediate. You know, the last thing you want is a situation like, you know, a Brett Favre thing. Yeah. I mean, the Joe Theismann era ended in Washington when his leg got snapped. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not rooting for it, obviously, but if there's a situation where Eli goes down and he's out for the year, that long-term growth of this team as they go into the next generation of players and leaders and talent, it's not the worst thing in the world. Eli is not a 31-year-old guy whose season's over, and we felt like 
we didn't prime. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, it was a wasted draft pick. I mean, I think it's safe to say that Eli Manning has been the, the best draft pick in the history of this franchise. Besides LT? Um, well, I'm thinking that, you know, he played for 15 years, Eli. Yeah, okay. 15, yep. 16 years. So it's my point being, though, if the end, at the end of the road was tomorrow, there's nothing to, you know, it's not all gloom and doom. It's, it's, it, it may be the best thing for a Davis Webb. Moving forward, you know, I don't know. I, I expect Kyle Lalata to take the third quarterback spot, and I do think there is a third quarterback spot on this roster. Um, I, I think Alex Tanney is definitely just a camp arm, but what I want to see from Kyle Lalletta in um, in preseason is his ability to kind of control the offense. And he, he's a, I guess as a quarterback, I, I would describe him as gritty. I honestly, my expectations or what I'm looking for is a little different because he's so buried in the depth chart. I mean, they're going to keep him as a oh, third yeah. quarterback, but we're not expecting any. We're expecting less of him than we expected of Davis Webb last oh, year. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would say I so, just, yeah. I just want to see the physical attributes. Does this guy have an NFL arm? Yeah. Does this, I mean, taking command of an offense to me is something where I want to see at Davis Webb. I want to see something where taking command of an offense to me says he's ready to come in and play. I think you have to learn that and you have to go through a camp. You have to go through a regular season and a whole other offseason before we can really start doing that. I just want to see because we've had backups come in during the whole Eli time where this is our backup quarterback. That's Josh not an, Johnson. That's not an NFL arm. You know, he can't make all the throws that we need in the offense that we're currently running. Or this guy's a statue or this guy just at the slightest sign of any. Uh, pressure is taking off and running. Yeah. I don't want to see. So if I can just see something like, okay, kid looks like an NFL quarterback. He's got the size, he, you know, nice ball he throws. That's enough for me. And I'll be like, great. Let's just put him on ice for a year, learn the playbook, get mentored by, you know, some pretty smart people in that quarterback room. And then when we start talking, we do our show next July in 2019. Then we're seeing, because he very well may be the backup quarterback. What odds would you say that we don't keep three quarterbacks or we we cut him and we bring in just some journeyman off the street? Today, I would say less than 5% chance. Um, as training camp moves on, if, if, you know, perhaps he's got an attitude problem or he's really just not capable of putting an arm behind, you know, throws 20 yards or more than – you know, it's possible. It or might, it might shoot up a little bit, yeah. See, I was looking at it from a different angle. What if Davis Webb really impresses this preseason? Do we still keep three quarterbacks? Yeah, because you sunk a draft pick into the guy. I think the only reason and not not just any, I mean, he was like a fourth round pick. That's that's a mid to high. I mean, to already give up on something like that just because the previous year's draft pick looks good seems like a waste to me. I, you know, you're not even giving him a shot to develop. I would think to get rid of him, he would have to be doing something wrong. Not that Davis Webb is doing something right. Okay, that, that's that's what I was leaning to. But I want to cover all bases with this because yeah. you know sometimes you see things on cutout day and you're like, never thought of that. And it's just like, sure, you know, not every team carries three quarterbacks, you know. And not every team carries two quarterbacks of a combined, you know, before the first game of the year's zero minutes of uh, experience. Yeah, yeah. 
what are our expectations for Eli this year? What do we, you know, best case scenario, expected scenario, and worst case scenario? Best case scenario is he leads the team to a winning record um, <laughs> and into the playoffs. I mean, from there, for me, I know people are always like, is just getting into the playoffs all you care about? Like, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. once you're there, anything happens. And ask the two teams that were 9-7 and seven what anything can happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the best case scenario is winning record into the playoffs, wild card or otherwise. Could that happen? Could that happen if Eli has a below average season? You mean by the eye test or do you mean Yeah, I'm not even talking stats. I'm talking about, you know, arm, arm strength doesn't look like what it was. You know, just the decision making is still not very good, even though, you know, there's more weapons and things around him. I would say it's extraordinarily doubtful for that to happen if he is, you know, doesn't have a good year. I mean, I understand that they got Saquon Barkley and that's going to help alleviate some issues, but this offensive line is too shaky for him to have a less than mediocre year. Let's say that. Okay. I don't think Eli Manning will be the weak link in this offense. I think that is an, a, re, a reasonable expectation for this year. I think the bar has been raised with position players and, and skill players. And, you know, to some you know extent also like left tackle and left guard. So but I don't think Eli will be the cause of why this offense isn't humming at a, you know, at least an NFL average pace. And I don't think he'll be the cause of it. Not that not happening. Yeah. I, I don't think so either. Moving into running backs. I mean, this one's, this one might even be easier. Uh, so, you know, my one, two guys are going to be Barkley and Jonathan Stewart. Um, I'm not sure that right away Barkley is the three down guy. I think he is one, but I think they're going to be a little conservative with throwing him just into the fire entirely. Um, but I think they'll lean heavily on him. And uh, a lot of what I expect out of him is going to be catching passes out of the backfield. Um, but I do think that Jonathan Stewart brings a sort of, you know, a, a different style of run. I mean, I, I know that people think that Barkley is really a run-up-the-middle guy, but he's not. He's going to be the outside sweep guy, and the catching out of the backfield is his main strengths. Uh, Jonathan Stewart is the kind of guy who will run full force into the middle of the defense. Yeah, he he's a guy get the ball and get him in space and let him go crazy. That's what we're expecting from Barkley. And I, to your point about he may not be a three down back right away. I think it's kind of a, a full season plan where they just don't want to give him a thousand carries, and by week fifteen he's you know worn out and finished. Sure. I mean, yeah. again, we, this applies to all rookies and everybody in the NFL, but. When you're going from a 12-game season to a really an 18-game season with the NFL with uh, preseason and everything, that's a lot of carries. And to say, well, let's give him the ball and run 30, 35 times a game, those carries add up. And they're a lot harder carries than they were in college. You know, you're getting pounded a lot harder and a lot faster than you were in college. So I think they, they want to kind of think long-term and – Make sure that he's still pretty fresh when we get into December, especially if we're going into a you know a playoff push. It also depends on the on game situation too. I mean, of if course. we're trying to pro- trying to protect a, a ten point lead, mid late third quarter, early fourth quarter, and we need to have we need that seven minute drive. Sure. Yeah. No, you're right. He's going to get a lot of carries. If we are down by twenty, 
No, he's not going to be carrying that much. It's going to be a whole different scenario. I mean, last year we got our doors blown out so early in games where there was no point of having a running game because we were behind. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of it is game situation. And then, yes, Eli's ability to read a defense and, and check into the right play. Wayne Gallman is a guy I think is, and I'm very big on this three running back rotation. Uh, it's just how I think offenses tend to work best. It's obviously, you know, a game that evolves and changes, but I do think that you have your your Swiss Army knife and Saquon Barkley, who's a three down back. You have your hammer with Jonathan Stewart. And Wayne Gallman's interesting because he's a lean and really, really fast runner that uses that speed to power. Uh, so, I mean, he's the kind of guy who can slash right through the middle of a defense. So I see him as that guy in the late third quarter after we've been running the ball all game that breaks a 45-yard touchdown because the defense is so worn out and he's nice and fresh. So let's yeah, let's go back to last year before there was any thought we'd have Saquon Barkley. People were pretty excited about the draft pick and watching him play. Like, sure, yeah. This is a guy. This is a guy that's going to develop. He's going to be a nice piece in this offense going forward. Nothing of that has changed about him now that we just because we have Saquon Barkley. Exactly. And also because we have uh, Stewart. He's still the same guy you thought he was at this time last year, and we were kind of excited about. And you know. I would like to go to Vegas and put a bet on that we're not going to have all three running backs play all 16 games. I mean, there's going oh, to no, be. Oh, no, 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 Yeah, so, I mean, he's going to be an important part of this team. It may not be in week one or week two, but it might be in week 14 or 15. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I will you, not, and I, and I don't feel, well, I don't want to say a drop-off in talent's not the right word, but uh, I still feel he can be very competent in this offense if we have to use him as even a 50-50 back with someone if one of the other two guys gets hurt. Yeah, I agree with that. And it, it, all you have to do is look at the Minnesota Vikings last year when Dalvin Cook went down. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think many people outside of Minnesota even knew who Jarek McKinnon was. Right. So, uh, you know, th- this level of talent that we had, I mean, the guy was, I mean, was he basically the starter for the second half of the year last year? I mean, so. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so. And and for his credit, I mean, he, he does things the same way Barkley does. I mean, he does catch the ball really well out of the backfield. He runs decent routes. He's he's shifty in the open field. I, I, I think he's going to be a big part of this offense that people overlook or forget about until late in the game, third quarter, fourth quarter. How do we feel about the pass blocking for these three guys, even the ability just like to chip or something? Because that's going to be important too. Absolutely. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Jonathan Stewart, I have no worries about. He's a veteran. I think he knows He knows enough that if he's not 100% sure on his pass-blocking assignment, he's going to tap Eli before the ball snapped. Uh, I'm not worried about Jonathan Stewart. Saquon Barkley, you know, I'm not worried about much. Uh, he's shown in training camp that he's done very uh, – strength-wise, physically, he's good at – picking up blitzes and, you know, his pass blocking. Mentally, if he can get it all there, he hasn't made a mistake yet in camp, which is really encouraging, um, especially given James Betcher's defense that they're throwing the whole kitchen sink at him. Um, you know, I could see him screwing up here or there. Uh, Gallman, I would be the most concerned about, not because he can't do it, but just because he's now switching offenses. So he spent a whole year learning an offense that's now in the garbage, and he's starting from scratch, and he's still a young guy. <laughs> Well, so Stuart, oh, I see he's a, he's a, he's, yeah. he's the veteran. He's a vet. I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not too worried about him. 
Mm-hmm. So, so there's a guy I'm going to lump in here with the running backs. I'm not really sure how he's going to line up, but I think Shane Smith makes this roster um, as a backup. I think he's going to play primarily as a fullback, and whether that means he motions out to catch passes, it doesn't really matter what you want to call it. Uh, you know, the fullback passes were a part of offenses way back in the day anyway, but you know, whether he winds up as a tight end or an H back or fullback, I think Shane Smith makes his team on his ability to play fullback really well. I think he makes it maybe as a, you know, fourth tight end or something on this, on this roster, but I'm going to throw him in here with the running backs because of the reason he makes this team in my opinion. Um, and it's for goal line situations or just short yardage with Jonathan Stewart or, you know, what have you. I'm going to be interested to see what this team does in goal line because yeah, it's been so bad for so long and we try to address the problem in so many different ways. Um, utilizing, you know, this type of hybrid guy is, is one way to do it. Uh, you know, a guy like Barkley is, 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 you know, would be a completely different element we haven't had before. Uh, Stewart, you know, just like you said, just a, a battering ram. We haven't yeah. had a battering ram in since Brandon Jacobs. It's going to be interesting just kind of like a how we game plan it, how we line up in it, how we execute it, what's in our bag of tricks in the game on the goal line. That's something we're really looking forward to seeing, and we're not going to see you know, the full complement of what we're going to do until the season starts. The most interesting thing about the running back situation is Paul Perkins, in my opinion. I, I don't really know what happens there. Um, currently, he is not on the active roster. He's on the non-football injured reserve Um does he stay there all year? Do they just cut his ass? I, I Re- refresh me. Why is he there? I don't know. Uh, he never really did anything this summer. He had some nature of injury, um, upper body, I believe, arm or something. Um, mm. But I mean, do we think much of Paul Perkins in this offense? Do we think he's a necessary part of this offense? I got to be very honest. I forgot he was on the team. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's when you when you said Paul Perkins, I was like. Oh, yeah, that guy. And it's amazing because he went from basically being our starter at this time last year to, well, that's just a testament to the upgrade in talent. And Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three and three and 13 teams don't have very good talent. When you're upgrading talent, guys that used to be your starter are now forgotten about. Yeah. Yeah. And you know something? I, I don't I, – I really don't see him on the roster going forward. We just, we just named off four guys we thought are better than him and, or at least have a better fit in this offense than he does. And if you're, you're saying he's not even on the uh, physically able to perform list, I mean, maybe they're just working out some sort of injury settlement to release him, or I don't, I don't know, but I think uh, his, his time has passed. Yeah, I think so too, which is... Teams aren't going to say, well, last year, let's do a do-over with everybody come on back and now prove yourself. They're going to... Oh, increase. yeah, you're right. They're going to increase their, their talent base, and they made a major, if not gamble, a major, major investment in Saquon Barkley. Yeah. If they they passed up a poten- potential franchise quarterbacks or the best defensive player in the draft to get this guy. Sorry, Paul, it's, but that's just the way it goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, couldn't say it better myself. Um, so as a group, do you feel that the running backs this year are an upgrade over the running backs last year? Oh God. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, we're we're going from saying what I just said, that the guy who was the number one running back this time last year is not even making a team most likely. All right. Just, uh, that's that's just not saying, well, we got Barkley. 
We just we, we we just the rising tide has raised all the ships in, in this room. And how do you feel about the quarterback position? Do you think it's better than last year? Well, I guess that that question is really: Do you feel more comfortable with Ryan uh, with Davis Webb as your backup over uh, Geno Smith? Geno Smith. I mean, yeah, I, I think that one's yet to be seen. For now, I'll say it dipped a little bit. I, I think there's a lot of dependencies on Eli to make me think he'll be better than last year, and a lot of it, you know, was not his fault. Sure, I, I do feel a little bit more comfortable with a guy who's been a starter in the league, you know, than a guy who's seen, I think, like maybe five minutes worth of preseason snaps so far. Yeah, so yeah. I, of course. Right now, I'll say quarterbacks dipped a little bit, running backs skyrocketed. We can. I'll ask this question now, and we can ask this question again next week, and we, until we finish our offensive reviews mm-hmm. which group has had the best increase from free agency and the draft the largest increase in, in talent? yeah right the running backs quarterbacks wide receivers slash tight ends or offensive line i think it has to be offensive line i agree um, but it is close with running backs in my opinion. I, I was just going to say, you know, I, I think it's offensive line for sure because it was so bad. Yes. And But running backs are, are a close second. You are kind of on the same page with me that it's O-line running back. Now, when we talk more about the offensive line, you know, any other uh, position groups, that might change slightly. But I think we're on the same page. Yeah, I, I agree with you. All right, so that's it for us uh, this week. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump for any sort of camp updates. And we will be attending Monday's training camp. So we'll have some live stuff for you there. And you can follow me as always at the cranky fan um, on Twitter and on Facebook and all the other places. Uh, be sure and subscribe to my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan. We discuss all things Florida Gators. We are only about 10 days away from the start of fall camp for them. So uh, lots going on. Uh, Download, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and give us a nice five-star rating and a happy review. So the more ratings and reviews we get, the more giant fans we can reach out to and have our never-ending dream of having a sponsor. We'd love to be rich, not... uh, poor and homeless and uh as always our shows are also bumped on twitter at just giants pod in case you forget to check your soundcloud or your itunes account you'll be reminded if you follow the account on twitter yeah, here's a one little helpful tip which i didn't even realize until last week you can get alerts on soundcloud oh sure yeah. structures on sound that says the latest just giants podcast is now available which i didn't even know that was on there and that's pretty uh pretty helpful yeah it's pretty sweet so set yeah. that up for yourself so you can Tuesday morning, be on your way to work and be like, oh, shit, yeah, that's what I usually listen to on the way in. Please wear your seatbelts and you're driving so when that ex- euphoria hits you of a new podcast, you don't run off the road and hit a tree. <laughs> All right, everybody. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.